Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the weekend and another edition of Housing Information. You can trust right here for the next two hours with the inside, outside guys. We are thrilled to be here for you this morning. Who are you? Ken Carvely, I'm the outside guy. <laughs> Chuck Bryanstein, the inside guy. Do rainy days and Sundays always get you down? Was that Karen Carpenter? Oh, gosh, rainy days and Sundays coming into you. Ooh, you walked right into that. I know. I get to go see Chuck today. My wife feels the same way. Yeah. She's not even an early riser, but she gets up and leaves if I'm going to stay home. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I don't even know where she goes. I wasn't expecting this rain this morning. I don't I just, think it's I in just, your hands to expect no, it or not. I just not, didn't look at the with forecast. You. I was very surprised when we woke up and had some rain this morning. Who are you? And you were talking about our lawns. I mean, I could have mowed my lawns three times this past week. But if you remember last year, we were in a drought, so I'm, I'm very happy. For Actually, you. a month ago, we were in a drought. Just over that, yeah. You're right. Is that what it is, five, like six June, weeks? May and June was very dry. Yeah. It's funny. I tell people that. It's like our, we all have very short memories, which probably is good in a lot of regards. But, yeah, you got to stand. It's almost like spring where now I, I told you before we went on air, I'm not going to feel guilty about not mowing today because I can't. It's, it's, it's soaked. But in two or three days when I can, it's going to be high. Yeah. It's going to be really high. And I've been a tree trimming fool, you know, putting the branches out so they can dry up and I can burn them. Yes, I still burn them, carbon footprint and all. <laughs> <laughs> Don't grind them and use them for mulch. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. <laughs> hey, we'll take phone calls today. One phone yeah. lines are open. Eight 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 six five four guys equals eight 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 six five four four eight nine seven. We'd love to hear from you. And from twelve to one today, we get to talk to Steve Dickinson. Now, for anybody that's thinking, oh my gosh, come on. I've listened to you guys do a 12-to-1 Amnesty show for the last several years. They're all different. Yeah. Uh, Steve, <laughs> they've always got something new to talk about. And it's cool how we've watched Steve evolve. Right. Because he and his partner were young college grads when they started the business, right? Right. right. Uh, I'm not going to call him young and dumb like you and I used to be. But but they, they've grown, and, and Steve's gotten to the point where they're they're very altruistic. They really want to provide healthy environments for people to live in, and they keep coming up with new and better product, yeah. right? Yeah, I agree with you. To achieve that outcome. I agree with you. I mean, the first thing was just let's clean the ducts, which is a huge step in, in making your in to do that right. air clean, to do that right. Yep. And they started sanitizing the ducts. Then they figured there's mold out there, so they started getting rid of in, uh, insulation in attics and adding new insulation and doing sidewall insulation. Um, and, and basically just making the and ceiling ducts, ceiling ducts, which no one has, which every house out there needs, and no one actually knows how important that is. Oh, that's huge! And then sealing the the ducts in the floor with a totally different product and right. process. Right. Um, gonna be fun. Looking forward to it. Uh, great company, great people, great family person. Agreed. So, Agreed. yeah, that'll be cool. Now, how about the idea? You've got. One bad outlet in the house, so you're going to call an electrician. First of all, you should. I agree. But if you got one bad outlet, are the chances pretty good you got several? Well, or switches. Yeah, I mean, you got lights. a lot of stuff going around the house. Once one goes bad, I mean, there's a, a lack of maintenance. Is that the good good way to put it? Yeah, or just age. We've yeah. had people say, this, "My house is 40 years old, and my breakers are starting to kick." Uh, what's wrong with the breakers? We go, well, they get old. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they wear out, just like us. Once they start to trip, they're more likely to trip or become more sensitive. And over time, you may need to replace those. The point is, if you're going to call a professional like an electrician, you're going to get a better deal per item if you have multiple items sure. than if you have one. Sure. Right. Yeah, it's just like windows. We'll get people that says, "Yeah, I only need, oh, I say I only need one window." Who do I call? Well, the more you get, the less it is. And then, well, here's, per window, per window, right? And here's a good comeback you always tell people: "Well, just keep keep putting them in until it's free." <laughs> <laughs> I know. However, um, it's just like um, concrete. You know, if you if you need an eight by eight slab per square foot, it's going to cost three times as much as if you needed a whole driveway done. Yeah, because mobilizing the crew, you know. Oh. So much stuff involved just sending somebody out to your house. Just setting it up. A minimum, 
And that's what we do when we answer emails. People ask us questions, and we always tell people most companies have a minimum. You know, A1 Concrete Leveling, they have a minimum. They're only going to come out and pump up two walkway slabs. I think their minimum is somewhere around four or $450, which is to send two guys in that rig out to a job. It's like, how do they make money? To me, they can't even make money doing that. Right. Yeah. But if you had, let's say, 20 slabs, I mean, the per-cost slab is going to go way down. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't go down to the point where it diminishes to nothing, you know, uh, as in your reference to the joke. But it does make more sense, and it is a better buy. And, again, if you've got a 60-, 50-year-old house, you've got several things that need. I had work. a plumber out years ago. And he did, I think, four or five things. Took him about two hours. And I, I knew him. You know, he, his kids went to school with my kids. And when he was done, he called me up and said, Ken, you owe me 150 bucks." Wow. And I said, hold on a minute. Hold on. What do you mean 850 bucks?" Oh, I thought you said 150 No, 850 bucks. I'm okay. sorry. And I was really surprised at his price. So he starts going down the list of what he did for me and, the, and what he charges per item. I go, so what's your volume discount there? He's like, what do you mean? I said, I can understand paying that much if you're coming out and doing one thing, but you're doing multiple things. I said, I'm sorry, I'll, here, you know, I'll pay you your money, but I'm just going to be honest with you. I'll, I'll never call you back again. That's outrageous. And I paid him his money, and I never called him back so again. So was that outrageous because of the cost per item or because he got it done quickly? That's a very good question. It was more the cost per item. Um, everybody wants a discount. I wasn't necessarily looking for a discount, but for him to come out for a couple hours to charge that much to me, and then go over the item cost, and when and, and when I questioned him, you know, what's your um, volume discount? He didn't have an answer. So my thought to him is, so if you would have been here eight hours today, you know, I would have owed you four or five grand. Well, that sure, I wasn't okay with it. Now let me ask you this: but, but I paid it. So I paid it. It's two things. Because if they get done quickly, I know where you're going with this. I'm, I'm I know you are. <laughs> Is that a negative? They're good at what they do. And how come you didn't have a sense ahead of time what it was going to cost you? Well, that is a good question. Because we need, would ask our I, listeners I, I, Well, that. None of, nothing that I needed, if I remember right, was urgent. Nothing was an emergency. So I didn't call them out of the emergency. It was, uh, I believe, a couple of hose bibs. I wanted a hose bib. Uh, uh, a, new, a new one put in. Yeah, frost free frost free and i forget what the other things were um i just i just did not expect that price i mean I, I i don't think most companies would charge that price i i just feel he overcharged me at that point. i do <laughs> and i'm i'm Chuck. no and i'm not saying he didn't because i don't know right 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 but i didn't get any bids i trusted him as we'll continue the discussion when we get back yeah it's along a fun with taking discussion. phone calls at 888-654-GUYS i'll tell you before you ever get them out to your house you're going to know what victor's is going to charge you for that new roof and and of course the inside outside guys would strongly suggest that that's step one know what it's going to cost you to get the, one of the best companies and the best products and the best warranties out there victor's home solutions Welcome back, everybody. Appreciate you being with us on this rainy Sunday. It's a good day to stay inside, maybe have a hot cup of really good coffee or hot cocoa or something like that. Uh, there's something to be said for the comfort of doing something like that in your own home. It just, I don't know if you can get rid of any guilt about not doing anything. You and I are doers. We've got to do something all the time. You know what? If I rarely happens, get to 5 or 6 o'clock at night, and I haven't gotten something substantial completed that day. There, there's a sense of guilt. There I've really had to is. fight that. Yeah. I always blame my Catholicism, but I don't know if it's Catholic guilt or, or whatever. Because there's always something to do. There's always something yeah, to do. Yeah, it's like we said yesterday. House. You're never done. If you own a house, you're never done with it, right? You're right. You're right. Yeah. And I'm always a little jealous of people that are in condominiums where they don't have I love working in my yard. I, I actually enjoy pulling weeds. I mean, it's... The fact that you got to do it makes it a task right. instead of a joy. Right. My sister, who lives in a situation like that, says, let me know. I'll gladly come over and trim bushes and pull weeds, and, and she would. Right. right. <laughs> she enjoys doing that. Yeah. Right. It's like Mom you and I were talking about yesterday. Mom couldn't step outside without doing that. If she saw a weed, she'd bend over and pull the weed. I'm the same way. If I see, if, if I, see I don't care where I'm walking, if I see litter, if I walk, I can't walk by a piece of litter. Unless it's disgusting. Yes. Without picking it up and throwing it in the garbage. It's just 
it's, if I do. That whole thing about leaving space is better than you found them. You know, it's funny because if I do this, and think, think in the back of my head going, you better get back there. You get, that's why I, <laughs> I hate litter bucks. I just. So is that dad or mom or just you? Well, I got to say both. I just, I, it's so easy to be a good member of society. It really is easy to be a good member of society. I don't disagree with that at and all. And when I see, when I drive down a dirt road and I'll see someone who obviously just threw out their KFC or their McDonald's bag or something like that, my first thought is, who raised you? Who raised you? Do you think that's okay? You know, I came up in the era when people were doing that. They were using the outdoors as a litter box. Sure. And you saw piles of trash all the time. And you had these huge television and radio campaigns to quit uh, littering. Yeah. And fines. Remember the Indian? Yeah. Who was really Italian? Italian? Yeah. <laughs> I do. I remember all that stuff. And it, it, it made it made it's interesting that people needed to be told not to do that. Native American, I'm sorry. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, you, you know what? It's funny because a friend of mine years ago, and she, she hung around my wife and I just for a small time. Her and I got in a quite heated argument because she had that day gotten a ticket for throwing a cigarette butt out the door. And she came to me, to me and she starts complaining about it. And I said, you know, I gave my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> and she didn't like it. I go, is littering against the law? Yeah. I said, did you litter? Yeah. What? what what he complaining about? You know, about? the filters on cigarettes, it's funny you say that because that was one of my issues. You used to spend a lot of time on Lake St. Clair and boating on Lake Huron. And if you were sitting in a harbor, it was absolutely predictable that in that somewhat still stagnant water, you would see At the little floating islands of cigarette. Yeah. I call them butts, but the filter butts, not, right. the, not the paper tobacco, because that will you know, that'll disintegrate. That's organic. Right. But the filters didn't. Right. And I, and I was never a smoker, but I it always angered me that people would do that with a cigarette butt and think it's no big deal because they don't break down. I agree with you. I agree with you. Interesting you bring that up. 888-654-GUYS <laughs> equals 888-654-4897. We, get an e- we got an email this week from Jan, a great listener in Ortonville, about her bathroom fan that just stopped working. And our response was, you know, if it was original from the builder, it was probably junk. Those are 50 CFM fans. And she sent the email back saying it was a 90 CFM. Even that, depending on the run of how far that has to go out. See, this is one thing a lot of people don't do, out of sight, out of mind. They buy a house. They have a switch in their bathroom that turns on the fan. That's all they know, and that's all they care about. Sure. Until something happens like with my daughter a couple years ago where – Middle of a very cold winter, it starts dripping water out of her bathroom fan. Of course, what does she do? She calls dad. <laughs> and I go over there, and the issue that she had, which a lot of people had, have, she had two issues. The first one is she was trying to push that air way too far. Second one, with a small fan, a fan that couldn't push it. And then she had the insulated pipe, the, um, uh, accordion-type pipe that goes out. Or or metal. Yeah, with insulation inside of it. And uh, here, I'll show you right here. I got a picture of it right here. There's two layers of plastic with some bat in between and wire-wrapped integrated into it. it. Exactly. Sure. Right? Exactly. Now, the problem with that was is as what was going on in her bathroom is that that fan would not push all that condensation out and up far enough so it was coming down and dripping and then it was making the bottom of that what do you call that pipe insulation absolutely soaked just soaked so once i got up there it all had to go everything had to go so i uh, actually had bratcher electric come in okay and put a new fan and a new pipe in and she hasn't had a problem since they put a 150 cfm fan in and they haven't had a problem since well there are manufacturer specifications for any of those fans Maximum run in terms of feet, right? Diameter of pipe, type of pipe. Boy, we could do a whole show on well, that. Well, let's continue we? this discussion. When we get back because yeah. so many of those are not even placed at the right place as well. They're vented right into the attic, or they're vented out the wrong way. They're vented too long. This is very important stuff, people. Because if it's happened to you, it could make your home less healthy. Absolutely. We'll talk about this. When we get back from break. I mean, another company that can help you with something like that is one we trust for replacing those 
tired old switches that are arcing every time you turn them on or the receptacles where a plug won't stay in them <laughs> and you're risking a fire, of course, I'm talking about Lake Point Electric. Welcome back, everybody. Appreciate you being with us. I want to remind you the phone lines are open for you at 888-654-GUYS or 800-859-0957. 0-9-0-9-5-7. 888-654-GUYS. I like it. Yep. Hey, before we went to break, we're talking about uh, venting, and we're specifically talking about bathroom fans right now. But, you know, people get it. One of the famous lack of vents are stoves. You know, stoves don't vent properly. But one of the reasons that's so important that your bathroom fan, we'd rather you not have a fan than have a bathroom fan venting improperly. Is that fair to say? For me, it is. I don't want the moist air going up into the attic. That's what scares yeah, me. Yeah, that's always a negative issue. And improper installations where, like in your daughter's case, that exhaust wasn't pushed out before it lost its heat, so the moisture in the air condensed. Right. You know, what was being sucked through the fan was humid air. There wasn't rain in it or snow. It was humid air. If if that air gets pushed through a duct and, and loses its heat before it's kicked out of the house, then you're going to get condensation. Right. And the water is what was dripping back down. Luckily, it was because the pools in the attic, that's even a worse issue. And that's why you and I have very specific criteria for installing those in rigid metal pipe that slopes down from the point of entry into the attic to the point of exhaust, which might be an overhang or an exterior sidewall or something. So if water condenses, it'll run downhill. And leave the house. Yeah, and and when my daughters, there's a mistake from the go because number one, they here's here's it is. It's a condominium complex, so they were all done the same way, and they they had all the same size fans, and the same material to run it out. And that so plastic, probably everybody soft junk, right? Probably everybody had a problem. And when you say oh. rigid, you mean a solid wall pipe. Yeah, it doesn't have to be thick. It's it doesn't have to be thick. It's pretty thin pipe actually. Sure. Um, but the idea is moisture in it will run continually down a slope if you create a slope. It doesn't take much of a slope. Plus, if you do it right, you can bury that in the insulation attic so it's less likely to lose its heat and, and have the moisture condense in it in the first place. Absolutely. So there's a combination of things that should be done there to do that properly, and it's just not. That, that kind of pipe that you showed me, that's actually better than a lot of people use. Yeah, but the funny thing is I got that from a very popular uh, Handyman magazine showing that. I right believe there. it. Yeah, I know. I know. I and the thing I, thing I like about it is it's not, you mentioned that you come out the fan, and as quick as it can go downhill. Immediately turn down. This is trying to push it all the way out right to the fan. To the fan. No, I, I would rather see it go about to a foot. To the roof? You said to the uh, vent. To the, I'm sorry, to the outside vent. It's trying to push it all the way to the outside vent. I'd rather go just a bit before that vent and then have a little angle down instead of trying to push straight out that outside vent. I don't understand. So you keep I almost want to, I almost want to get a pen and show you here. But so read, was it going up vertically or it was, was going, it running horizontally? Oh, it was going up vertically. Okay, we don't like way, that. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. All the way to the fan. I would rather see you it You keep run saying up, to the fan. To the vent. You're right. The, the, fan, the fan is the, at the point of the bathroom. The vent is actually outside. So once it hit that fan, it actually so had, it was going the, straight the vent, up. had to push it straight out. Right. We don't you're, like that. Right. What you're saying is we want to see it. It might have to go up, but then we want it to gently go it's gotta down. got to go up out of the ceiling. Yeah. But only for a couple inches. And right. then turn down. Right. Um, uh, there was nowhere to do that in her place. It was impossible to no do that attic. in her place. There's, there's no, no, no attic, no walls. She's got a condo right next to her, like that butts up against her. So she had to stay at the same spot. So what we simply did is Bratcher came in and they put a higher, probably a 200 CFM fan in, and did the solid pipe. And at that point, no problem. Plenty of power to that vent, makes a huge to vent that out. Right. Yeah. Right. Huge difference. And if you're going to insulate it, it's going to it's going to function uh, better over time because your attic should be cooler. Uh, and it certainly will be for many months of the year. Right, right. And, yeah. you can, and you, even if you use a solid wall pipe, you can simply buy some bat insulation and zip ties, and you can insulate that pipe very easily. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's funny because you look at blueprints of multifamily, and I've got some friends that build multifamily, 
and how they're going to run their mechanicals is fundamental to the initial planning process. Because you, you mentioned, for instance, Bratcher came in and installed a 200 cubic foot per minute exhaust fan, right? I'll bet there isn't a 200 cubic feet per minute makeup air supply in her condo. Oh, no. Guaranteed yeah. or not, right. So it becomes a combination of if that's going to work effectively, it, the house has to be able to replace that air that it's trying to push out. So if the fan is rated for 200 CFM, but the house can't replace 200 CFM, the fan may only push 75 CFM. Sure. And it's, a, it's one of those things that it science. really isn't overly complicated, not if you and I understand it. Right, right. <laughs> but, it is, but it is building science. You know, it's rarely done right. Well, that's why you want whenever those mechanicals are put in. You said it's so important. That and the dryer vents are just as important to try to get those towards the oh, outside gosh. walls. Because in the case of a dryer vent, that's more dangerous quicker, okay? Well, we're talking about the vent for the bathroom. That could possibly cause mold, which could get headaches and, and make you unhealthy. Water dripping into the bathroom. Exactly. A dryer vent not being properly vented could catch on fire. If it has too many turns in it, and we, we've seen this. You go into a condo complex where the bathroom is in the center of the condominium complex, so they will literally try to vent it straight up, yeah. straight up and out, which is a terrible design. You know what's funny? Because if you look at the old plans, the old blueprints, bathrooms were located on outside walls. Mechanical rooms were located on outside walls. Bathrooms and kitchens were stacked in two-story homes. Right. It was done the way it should be done. 80 years ago, 100 years ago, we got away from that, got wonderfully lazy and fat, if you will, sure, figuratively sure. speaking, and started to do what you're saying. Right. Put a bathroom in the middle of a floor or a laundry room in the middle of a floor plan. That makes it that much harder to do the exhaust and makeup. And, and we get those emails from people. And, and unfortunately, there are in those designs, they don't have any other place to go. They've got to have a long run with multiple turns in their dryer. So our advice to them is they need yeah. to get that dryer cleaned, that dryer vent cleaned every year and inspected by someone like Amnesty Air Duct Cleaning. You know, we'll have to bring that up uh, when we talk to Steve from 12 to 1 because they have crews that do nothing but dryer vent cleaning and re and replacement and rerouting. Right. Uh, Amnesty will do that for you. So we, when we talk to Steve, let's make sure we bring that up and, and share that with our listeners. Sure. 888-654-GUYS equals 888-654-4897. Our phone lines are open. Give us a call for any and all of your housing questions. Yesterday, you and I were talking about our deck inspection checklist, and we got to railings and didn't quite finish those. You're right. And then, and then another key issue right behind railings. But we want to make it clear to people, your your railings should be anchored such that if guys like Ken and I, around 200 pounds apiece, are leaning against that railing, it's not moving. No. It should not move. It should not flex. If it's flexing, then you've got a concern. There shouldn't be any plate in a railing. No. Nope. So they should be anchored solidly into the frame. That should be something that, that you are diligent about. And then there's a, a whole bunch of things on the railing itself in terms of minimum height, spacing of, of uh, horizontal and vertical boards, intermediate boards, if you will. But the biggest thing is that it shouldn't be something that is too decent guys. We're not huge guys, but we're, you know, again, around 200 pounds apiece. If we lean against it, there is absolutely no concern about that deck rail collapsing. Right, right. Well, for so many years, Chuck, I mean, matter of fact, the one I have now, the way that it was made, and here's another issue. I'm going to guess 90% of decks are not properly inspected, if inspected at all. The the new construction decks are going to get inspected, but someone putting a new deck oh. on the back of the house, they're not going to get inspected. Do, you just do it yourself. So my railings were something you saw years ago. I had a wood deck, and they simply notched out half of the bottom of the 2x4 and bolted it into the and bolted it in. 2x4 four or 4x4? Four 4x4, four four. Four, I'm sorry, 4x4. Four four. And... It was probably really solid for the first few years. But eventually, I mean, there's no doubt that they saw years ago it's starting to move. It's going to move. And at that point, that's when you got to address it. When, you know, when it's just starting to get back, it's only going to get worse. And, you know, when you, if you're doing something like this yourself and you don't do it properly, you make a mistake and someone gets hurt, how horrible would you feel? 
Oh, and liability issues legally, you may feel even worse. And there's an old adage in the industry, if you reduce the size of any piece of lumber, the effective size of that entire piece now is the smallest dimension. So if you cut a 4x4 down to 2x2 or 2x4, that's what it is. The whole thing is 2x4. Exactly. That makes perfect sense. You know, we get a lot of questions asking, do I want a deck or do I want a patio? And and honestly, a patio, a concrete patio is probably going to be your least maintenance. Wouldn't you you agree, Chuck? I love them. I love concrete patios. Yeah. So if you're thinking about a new concrete patio, maybe it's time for a new driveway, chimney work, porch work, work, contact Brickworks at 877 Masonry. We have cleared out all of our earlier accidents, so happy to report that. However, we've got our big closure in northern Oakland County, I-75, north and southbound between Saginaw Road and Dixie Highway, completely shut down for construction. And that's the case until tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. It's weekend work. And then we're watching 24 Mile Road. It's closed from North Avenue to Fairchild in both directions for that water main break. I'm Lorna Stevens, WJR Traffic and Weather First. There will be some clouds to begin this Sunday that scattered showers may develop into the afternoon as the high hits 78. Another round of rain tonight with a low of 66. And for Monday, scattered showers and thunderstorms with a high of 77. From the Weather Channel, I'm meteorologist Jeff Marr on 760 WJR, where Michigan comes to talk. Welcome back, everybody. Appreciate you being with us. Hey, if you were listening yesterday, you heard John McFarland call, and he had a great idea, and I love that he talked to his wife. He's giving away Thanksgiving Day Lions tickets, which is really cool, especially this year, right? Right. Because you probably can't even get them. And his bride said, John, did you buy those tickets? You're going to give them away? Did you already buy them? Because you can't get them. He goes, yes, honey, I bought the tickets. We need them. <laughs> when I say them, the wives. We need our wives for that kind of stuff. God bless them. I agree. I would do. <laughs> 888-654-GUYS. 888-654-4897. Give us a call for any and all of your housing questions. But John's doing a giveaway if you book work December, January, February, uh, which is his slow time. He, looks, he likes to keep his crews busy if he can during those periods of time. He will give you a discount. A discounted price because it used to be in the industry that we sent people home. Oh yeah, December, January. Unemployment was and I and they collected unemployment. Exactly, and if a company can keep their crews working, the crews would rather work, and the company would rather keep them working rather than risk losing them or you know anything like that. So he's doing a thing where if you book that work now, you are in the running to win those tickets. And he said the response has been so good. They're now thinking of uh, buying, like, Red Wings tickets and giving right. them away and right. doing some other things, too. So all that's going to do is increase your odds that you'll win something if you need work done anyway. Yep, yep. And it's such a great uh, sign of such a organized and a company that thinks ahead. I remember years ago when I was in the masonry business, you know, I'd come up to a job and I'd bid a job and, did, you know, it was too expensive. And I'd say, well, we, we give winter discounts. And it might be June. But what are winter discounts? It's said it requires a 10% deposit. Hey. I'm going to give you this much money off, and it keeps my crews busy in the wintertime. What can you do, Mason, in the wintertime? This I can. Yeah. If it's a porch, we can Certain types it. of work. Certain types of work, we can do it. And I would keep my guys busy all year long because I always knew that I had to keep winter work for these guys. That's so important. It is so, it, it's so important because when they're on unemployment, what does that give them an opportunity to do? Look for new work. As a matter of fact, <laughs> that's a requirement when you're on unemployment that you have to go look for new work, which John doesn't want that to happen. He's got great employees. He wants to make sure they stick around. Let's keep them. Absolutely. So We've got an email sense. this week, Chuck. Do you remember, how many of your own houses that you intended to live in besides the one you have now have you built? Three. Three. Do you remember years ago when you, I don't know if you ever tried to do this, but I did, called up and said, I want to build a house, but I want to put a pole barn on it first. Sorry, I can't do that. Oh, yeah. you got to have the house up first. Yeah, there's a lot of jurisdictions that will do that. Well, people are kind of finding a way around that now. Really? Yes. Barn dominiums. Well, yeah, except if you're going to do that, then it's got to qualify as a house. I know. Which is a heck of a lot more money. Well, as a dwelling, right? So in other words, that's what I want to talk to. What are the the qualifications? So if I build a barn, 
And I just put a room in front of it that has plumbing, it has heat, it has a closet, it has a room. Can I stay there until I get my house done? I mean, if it meets all the requirements of a home, then arguably it could be a home. But it, it, they may even dictate where that sits on the lot, which might prohibit you from putting your house where you want. Oh, they will dictate. Set. Right, yeah, right. You know, so that could be an issue. It's funny. The barn dominium is has gained a lot of momentum, and a friend of ours in Oxford his next house is going to be a barn dominium. He's going to keep that house as is like that. Right? That's going to be his okay. house. Okay. Um, and and really, uh, fundamentally, it is nothing more than a post-frame building, slab on grade, instead of a crawl space or basement, that you are going to live in, which is that big a leap for a lot of us. We built a lot of commercial buildings that were post-frame, wood post-frame buildings. Absolutely. We did run into some opposition in some jurisdictions where they said, you can't do that. We said, well, of course you can. It's done all the time. It's just done with steel. And if right. we did engineering, which you're required to do for a commercial building anyway, right. the supports that we can do it with wood, you know, maybe we use six-by-six six posts instead of four-by-fours or whatever. But you didn't even yeah. know the word barn dominion back then, did you? No. No, it wasn't a word. And it's so <laughs> funny to see it today because slab on grade is nothing new either. Right. Um, I love the idea. I love the idea if you're going to stay there, but I really love the idea if you plan on building there as a temporary place to stay. That's what I would have done if they would have told me, yeah, you can do it, but you have to have a dwelling in there. Yeah, but do you know how much more money that costs? It's like if you're going to do that, why not build a house? If you're going to spend an extra thirty grand. Well, trust me, my house cost a lot. I mean, the house I built was a lot more than that. I mean, well, no, no, I mean thirty additional to make that little portion legal. Strategically, you know, it would have been a good idea to have it, and then maybe as a kid gets older, hey, the oldest son he moves out there, or you rent it out, <laughs> or you do something like that. See, I would have loved those. See, done that's that. another legal issue too. I know. <laughs> built it, had it for a little while, and then built my house while I was living there. Because when I built my house, we moved our pop-up trailer there, and I stayed many nights. Because overnight. if you were going to do an attachment, um, what you're calling a pole barn. And, but but you're calling it a house, a barn dominium. They're not going to let you do that big barn attachment unless it's fully insulated, like a house, wired to the standards of a house, finished. You're saying for the barn or the living quarters? The barn. If it's your house, if you're going to call it your house, now you could have a garage or something, but they're going to make you build it to the standard. And that's what, that's what I'm asking you. So you're saying anyone that does a barn dominium right now, the entire thing has to be built to that standard? I would, again, I would assume, yes, uh, if if you're going to call it habitable. Interesting, because I would think you'd be able to put a firewall somewhere down the back of it and just do the living quarters in that Well, you can still do the attached way. garage, the proverbial attached garage, if you will, so this attached storage building, right? Right. And X square feet. But let's say here. Let me use this as an example. In most cases, you've got a minimum square foot uh, requirement, on the main floor mm-hmm. for the house. So you want to do this barn dominium to circumvent this this requirement. But your minimum requirement for that habitable space is, I don't know, let's make up a number, 1,200 square feet. Well, then that definitely wouldn't be worth it. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what you start getting into, all that stuff. And if it's going to be habitable space, when you look at the upcharge on building that, it's like you might better off just wait and put it all into your house and that's why I'm wondering, because I, I do know someone who did the barn dominium with, with the thought of eventually building a house on, and matter of fact, they're living in the barn dominium now. Legally? Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. As far as I know, I believe it's in Ortonville, so it's Holton County. So local so yes. ordinances allowed them to do it wherever they are. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And to me, that would be the only reason I would really want to do something like that. Because you were going to do the building anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. And I get it. Believe me, I'm not arguing against it. I just, you know, it's been the old thing about when you write all this curriculum for 40 years, you end up coming up with all the stuff you know <laughs> that that would be an impediment to doing that, right? Right. Um, it's funny. 
uh, the trailer living in a camper. That's a whole. That's another issue. Too. Boy, we could get. We didn't even finish our deck inspection here. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Well, let's finish that when we get back from break, okay? But if you're building that house, you'd have to have a full heating, air conditioning, ventilation system in it. I would hope you would, but you'd, you'd need an expert to do it. You would need an expert to do it, and the ex- we have a lot of great experts at the InsideOutsideGuys.com in our HVAC section of the InsideOutsideGuys.com. You can find Sharon's Heating and Cooling, who has been a longtime team partner and made many, many, many of our listeners happy in the past. Once again, Sharon's Heating and Air Conditioning. 888-654-GUYS. We'd love to hear from you if you have any questions, comments, or concerns. You certainly demonstrated it on the email. Man, we're getting a ton of those, which is good. You're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're right, we are. We definitely are. Hey, before we went to break, we are talking, uh, talking, keeping you safe on your deck. It's things that you need to consider if you have a deck, especially if it's a deck that's high off the ground, obviously. What is it, 20, 29 inches? What's the code for you? Have, 30. Have, have, having to have a you know, okay. railing. For a railing that you have to have. It. Yeah, if you're 30 inches off the ground or more. And 30 inches is a long way, too. Two and a half feet. Especially. Thanks for doing the math. <laughs> Appreciate that, buddy. I mean, especially for a little one. Falling off that, that's a long way down. Well, let's be honest. Know. If you and I stepped off. Through that. The edge of Through a deck, that. two and a half feet. There's, there, there's Bones be breaking, right? Big potential injury there. I always think of that because I try to keep my personal decks low enough that we don't need railings. Right. Right. I'd right. rather not look through a railing or have to. Sure. Uh, sure. Um, but it is one of those things, like when mom, happy birthday, mom, by the way, would have been mom's 99th birthday today. I think of her, you know, when she was out there. And she was always one of these, I sort of got had to get right at the edge. Catch the sun. Her whole thing was right. You know her. Yeah. You knew her. Yep. Had to be in the sun. And you're watching her, and she's like, within a foot of the edge, it's, it's only a two-foot drop. How Still. many kids did mom have? Six. Well, she lived her life on the edge. <laughs> All those kids. Boy, good. That's good. You're right. So anyway, yeah. Uh, and, and we should continue that. But, you know, we just found out that a buddy of ours, uh, Dave from Waterwork Plumbing, has a home drain clean special. Now, a lot of people don't realize that you own the pipe that runs from your house to the sewer underneath the street. Can That's I sell yours. It? Can I sell it? Sure. I don't want to own it. I wonder if I would buy those. <laughs> and then surcharge your usage on top of what the city's charging you to use it. You're always thinking. I see a, a few mechanics going in your head right now. I know. I can't help but think about it. But no, you can't. So you have to own it. Even if you, if you house, could, you who'd it? buy it? Right. But here's the thing. Yeah, if you need if that pipe goes to heck in a handbasket, it's a very expensive fix. So if you get a home drain clean from a water work for the month of August, you also get a free camera inspection, and that's huge. We always tell listeners that email us, yeah, they, they unclogged my pipe, and they did this and did that, but we're still having issues. We go, well, did you get it cameraed? Did you see it? Right. You should always, even if it costs you extra, get it cameraed. So many things can be cameraed now. Today. Yes. Yeah. Chimneys, crawl spaces, oh. the pipes, you name it. Yeah. yeah. So Waterwork is doing a free camera inspection if you get that drain clean, and it's not a bad thing to do, especially if you've never had it done, get it done. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. That's a very good get point. Get it done. So going back to the deck issue, yes, let's sir. go back to that because we've talked a lot about railings. You used the L word yesterday. The L word, the ledger word, where, where, <laughs> where most decks fail. Now, most injuries, I believe, happen by the railings, but most decks fail at the ledger. And then we had a gentleman calls talk about a floating deck. You know, yeah. uh, We should talk about the difference between that. But this deck, the ledgers are attached, literally attached to the house. Where the deck is attached to the house. Where the deck is attached to the house. And if it's not properly attached, I told you I'm in the middle of doing my deck right now. And, and just for everyone to know, they've been hearing this for last month. I'm taking my time. I'm in no hurry. Yeah, which is a great way to do it. But I have a little cantilever that comes on my house where my sliding door is. comes out maybe 18 inches. And there was nothing. And your ledger was tied to it. My Well, my ledger, yes, yes. But it was obviously because it's more of an octagon, there were three pieces on that ledger around there. So that was the part that failed first because it actually started to – it broke away. It actually started to move, okay? It broke away where? Right at the ledger, 
Okay, this happened about six, seven months ago. Throughout the house or at just the cantilever? Just in that area, just in the cantilever, okay? So I went and I got a house jack, and because I, I own those, and I jacked it up. And once I got into it, and I took it all away, they literally took the ledger. And, just, and that's a board. It's a board. It's, 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 it's a two-by-six, two-by-eight piece of board just right up against the house with some bolts, one bolt for each one, for each piece. And they didn't even bolt into any anything that had any kind of structural interior. They didn't the floor joists. I what I did when I took everything apart, I marked where the floor joists were coming out and that's where I bolted into at that point, okay? They were just bolted in between the floor joists, through the ledger, going into foam, just foam. So even though I bolted back into the floor joists in all I think it was five spots where the where the cantilever comes off, I still put another post in underneath to support that. It was just, yeah, and, and it's the, ugly. It doesn't look right, but it <laughs> needs to be there. The um, how water is kept away from the house at that attachment is critical. Uh, that's just a huge issue. We could spend a class on. Well, let's real quick. I had I had a homeowner special. Whoever did mine, they were homeowners. They were friends of homeowners. I told you how they did the railings. There was no flashing. There was a gap of a half an inch to an inch between the last board against the house and the house. No flashing at all. And when I pulled it all off and I took a leaf blower and I blew everything out of there, it was all in really good shape, but it shouldn't have been. It should, have, have, been. It should have been riding like crazy, but it was all in very good shape. But water just sat back there, and then a lot of debris from the trees and branches and pine needles got back there, and those stay soaked. Now, I tell you, what didn't do good was my James Hardy. Between the two, the James Hardy behind that is what went bad. So they attached the ledger board directly to your cement siding? Yes, and then through. Yes. Yep. Yep. And that cement siding. Which, again, you shouldn't do that. You should take the siding off right. and flash and attach the ledger board. The siding shouldn't even be behind the ledger. No. It's funny. They also make mechanical pieces to tie that deck way back into the joists in the basement, in right. the crawl space, right. uh, that are threaded bolts that you can adjust over time. Uh, we'll continue uh, this discussion when it comes to making sure your uh, deck is uh, safe, bottom line. And, Chuck, you wanted to talk about the surge protection stuff that uh, that keeps coming up in our emails. Oh, it's crazy. Uh, and you and I keep talking, especially with this rain. If you have issues with basements or crawl spaces that are the result of failing foundation systems, like you said, that's a cancer. you got to get it fixed. It never gets better on its own. Never get, gets better on its, on its own at all. If you're seeing water in your basement, if you're seeing cracks, if you've got water coming through those cracks, it is only going to get worse, and you want to call Foundation Authority. Everybody, we do appreciate you being with us. I want to remind you we're going to be here from 12 to 1 with Steve Dickinson from Amnesty. And one of the things we're going to bring up to Steve, besides whatever new product or new thing they're into now in keeping your house healthy and safe, is dryer, vent, cleaning, and replacement relocation if necessary. Yeah, that, one thing we love about Amnesty is their training facility they have in the back of the uh yeah, the back of their office there. It's absolutely gorgeous. And when they have what we talk about, what we've talked about, the different kinds of pipes, what they will see, what they'll need to replace, what they replace it with. They train constantly. Train constantly, absolutely. Yeah, they have weekly meetings, and they train people skills as well as technical skills, which we'll talk about all that from 12 to 1. It's pretty cool. You know, you, you had brought up the floating deck because someone called Yeah, you're right. Yep. And talked about a floating deck. And essentially, that's a deck that's strictly ground-supported, not tied to the house. Which isn't um, a bad way to do it. To be honest with you, it's a great way. Yeah. And I've said for years, and actually I have two decks now that are not physically tied to my house. The one I did up north a few years ago, that was a floating deck. Was it? Yeah. So that wasn't tied to your house nope, at all? Not at all. And I love that. Um, if you don't have a ledger and you don't have a physical connection between the house and the deck, then you don't risk any of that framing or rot or water issues that you and I right. were just talking about. Right. Um, takes a little more to do it, a little more design, engineering, and thought. But there's, in most cases, no reason you can't do it. I mean, for me, it was a matter of just putting in about five or six four-by-fours extra against the house. Extra posts against the house. Yeah, and, and, and they it, weren't literally against the house. No, but they, they were, were a couple inches the off the house, so you can't leave her to the house. Yeah. Know, so it hits the house. Yeah. And you can't tell when you're on it. You can't tell whether it's a Oh, it makes no difference not. whatsoever functionally. Nothing. Nope. Nothing. Except there's a gap there, so 
snow will drop down that gap. Rain will drop down that gap. You leave your siding intact, which which functionally is a flashing. Uh, I mean, it's all good if it's done properly. So if you got the choice, great way to go. Eight eight eight. I agree. Eight 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 six five four guys equals eight 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 six five four. Four eight nine seven. You know the recipe we always give out this time of year, Chuck, for the uh, vegetation killer. Oh yeah, wiper outer. <laughs> it like kills that. everything it touches, and we get a lot of questions about it. Basically, it's salt, it's Dawn dish soap, and it's vinegar. Is that yeah. right? Do we need the Dawn dish soap and vinegar? I was thinking. It's funny because uh, the Dawn dish soap will kill things. It'll smother things. Right. Uh, insects, plants. So I say yes. I say no. Okay. And here's why I'm thinking it, because I was watching history. I love, you and I both are big history fans. And when the Germans went into Russia, when they went through the fields, what did they do to the fields? They salted the fields. <laughs> yeah. They salted the fields for nothing would grow. Salt was cheap. Yeah, you're right. Salt was cheap. Salt was cheap. So I think a lot of them, those things, if you don't want to put anything together, just grab some table salt and shake it on those weeds. But that really does kill. The salt will kill anything out there, right? Yeah, once it gets taken into the soil, the idea of diluting it in a uh, solution is that it's going to be it's going to coat the weed and it's going to get taken into the weed, uh, you know, because of the liquid. Right. So, and, and I just cheap. found that interesting. You I know, do too. I, I love that kind of stuff. Yep. Yep. I wonder, I'm sure those fields got to be. They didn't have Roundup or something back in World War Two. <laughs> That's a whole different subject. Yes, Boy, it we is. Can get on a subject. With that, hey, let's go to the phones. Eight 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 six five four four eight nine seven. Let's talk to Scott in Cleveland. Good morning, Scott. You're on with the guys. Uh, so, hi, guys. Uh, first off, I want to let you know I'm a high school teacher in the area, and I want to thank you for including the educational component that you do into the program. I, I've, I've been a longtime listener here in Cleveland of your show. It's fantastic, and you know it, it's great that you guys are letting everybody know about, especially the parents, the opportunities and the pathways to success and a career and in, in, in our field because uh, that's what i teach in this this area so thank you for that my what exactly do you teach my, scott are you teaching a well, curriculum formally, or what yeah formerly known as industrial arts but now it's technology and engineering so i teach cad and engineering and architecture and design so cool so all those classes where the kids design and build things and we have uh know your home class where the kids go into the workshop and design and build things and we have kids enter competitions for architecture and all, all kind of design things so we want our kids to be able to use their creativity you know teach them some basic skills we're not a career tech so we're one of the comprehensive schools that we teach the kids our, our whole idea is to be able to tell the kids hey if you design and make something you know there's all kind of pathways that it'll lead you to and it doesn't necessarily include college <laughs> No, you're right. So that, that, we we love it. Thank yeah. you for bringing that up. Well, well since you called us, Thank we're going to give you an impromptu interview here. What are you seeing <laughs> with your colleagues and and the school? Are, are you seeing that they're getting the message? Are the counselors, the counselors, the teachers, are they getting the message that well, we need to you, get back to teaching these kids this? You you just stepped on the bee's nest. That that's one of my uh, issues. Is our counselors are so overwhelmed with the mental health crisis and testing and i mean it's almost that they've gotten away from the curriculum part of things they kind of forget that we exist <laughs> but know, and you know we have a fair amount of kids that go on to college in the engineering field uh, pr primarily probably 70% maybe 20% or so architecture uh, other kids i had two two kids 2 years ago went into industrial design one to georgia tech one to university of cincinnati Cool. Uh, but I also tell kids, you know, around the Cleveland area, there's apprenticeships that are open. You don't have to have a college degree. You can go right into it after high school. And, I mean, there's just so many opportunities out there. You know, everywhere you go, you see the uh, hiring signs. <laughs> so You're right. I tell kids there's a lot of opportunities out there. And, and, and opportunity, you know, part of it, of course, is making a living, or a real living, it, not just yeah. making a wage. And Ken and I talk about this a lot, that – Every company that we refer, we, we kind of look at our, each other and ask each other, they all provide careers for these people. I mean, health I benefits and, and, and wages that we look at and go, oh, my God, if that was available back in the 1970s or 80s, that's well, awesome. That's, that's funny you say that. Real quick backstory before I get to my question. that I wanted to be the Norm Abram of the future. I was going to, when I was a high school senior, I wanted to go into the Carpenter Apprenticeship Union, which was cool. in the Canton area. 
And the only reason, I mean, I had the best grades. I even worked for a cabinet shop just a couple blocks from where I lived and, you know, had the best uh, letters of recommendation, didn't get in because I found out all the kids whose fathers were in the union, they got in. So they, they got chosen and not me. So I, told, I had to tell my parents when I got home that day that, oh, I got to go to college, which I didn't want to do. That's but, so you know, funny. At least, at least they, yeah, but at least they had uh, um, a major that was related to what I wanted to do. Back then it was called industrial arts, and then it changed right. to industrial technology, and now it's technology and engineering. What year STEM. did you go to college? What years? Uh, so my, well, I, I graduated from high school in 76, graduated from college in 81, so at least I got mm. into the field in the College of Education. I was able to uh, major in, in the industrial arts, arts curriculum, so that's what I'm teaching, and I've been doing it for a long, long time. Now you got to hang on because we love talking to you, but sure. we got to take a break. Yeah, I know you got a, a seat pool <laughs> that's cracked. We'll help you with that when we get back from break, okay, buddy? In the meantime, it's raining outside. Have you walked outside and taken a look at your gutters? Have you taken a look at your downspout? Have you taken a look at whether those trees are dropping all sorts of leaves inside those gutters? If you have, go to the Inside Outside Guys, click on gutters, and call Christian's Gutters today. Back, everybody. Appreciate you being with us. I want to remind you to stick around for the 12 to 1 hour with Steve Dickinson from Amnesty Air Duct Cleaning and Insulation. And we're kind of holding Scott hostage, uh, who's a high school teacher in Cleveland, because we love talking about the trades and the opportunities for young people. And Scott does too. Is that fair, Scott? Yeah, absolutely. So you were in college just after I was. I got a secondary degree as well in uh, vocational education was my major in industrial arts as well. And then I saw it all go to heck in a handbasket for several years uh, before it started to come back. So uh, certainly that's near and dear to me, as, and, and it is to Ken as well. Big issue. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And we can't have – my my – uh, first impression when I got into teaching was, man, why isn't every kid taking this subject? And, you know, it's funny, we're still an elective, uh, even though so the kids, before they graduate from our high school, they have to have at least one class uh, of our from our curriculum before they graduate. But, I mean, it's there's still a lot of kids that are missing. And that's the other thing, too, is I've seen kids that come into my class where, for the first time, they've done, you know, working on a lathe or building something, and I'll say to a kid after they've done a great job, man, have you done this before? That was really good. And they say no, and it's like, wow, here, you know, some undiscovered kid that it's like, wow, did you know you even had that talent? And there's a lot of kids that are like that that are going through the cracks. They don't know. That we're missing out on. And you know another misconception? I was speaking to a young man who was a very quality young man at an open house maybe a month ago, and he just graduated from Albion and I don't know if it was a marketing or business degree, but he's he's having a hard time getting a job, which is interesting because, it's, you know, they're so hard to, uh, to get good people. But I said, have you considered construction management? He goes, I don't want to work that hard. And I was shocked because <laughs> he's a good kid. And you so, kept your mouth shut? Oh, I know. I wouldn't have when I was younger, but I did. Uh, so you don't want to make a lot of money, eh? <laughs> it's yeah. like, how do you even respond to that? I don't no, know. you did the right thing. He did right. I mean, you and I worked hard and stupid because we didn't know any I'm, better. I'm proud of every minute I worked. Oh, I am too. I know. Oh, I know you are. There's I nothing. Am. I mean, I'm proud of how hard I worked. Yeah, got me everything I have today. But gosh, I, I just the opportunity that's out there. You know, the counselors. Oh, Scott, so my right. wife's a high school counselor, so she's dealing oh. with the issues that you verbalized earlier. It is brutal. That there, it's like the cat with a laser, where there's so many sidebar issues that you have to deal with with these kids that you can't focus on. Mm -hmm. Squirrel, yeah, on career, career path training. What a concept! That young, I mean, it's amazing because none of them think about. It, but that's the time you should think oh, about it. Yeah, so. scary stuff. So we really appreciate your call. <laughs> the other thing that I, <laughs> yeah, Go ahead. Go ahead. I, if I can add just one thing, the one thing that I see is, I, and I've said this for years, is that. If I get one of my principals, assistant principal, high school principal, counselor, or even on the administrative district administrative team, and they've never taken one of these classes, yet they're making decisions about our future, you know, first as us as teachers and second, the, the kids and the opportunities they would have to take the class that might open their eyes to, you know, either an undiscovered talent. By the way, I've even having, I've taken kids 
who they're, they're not really good at anything, but they really like it. And those kids turn into kids that have come back to me and said, hey, you know, I became an engineer or, like you said, a project manager working for a big construction company. So it works in all different ways, but that's the problem is if you have an administrator or a counselor that's never taken our class through high school, certainly through college, how are they, you know, best to uh, offer uh, a suggestion or to counsel a kid about, you know, what classes they take, especially going back to the counselor thing. And that's what we fight all the time. So we try to educate the counselors. In fact, we're going to get a new counselor this year, so we're going to be back in her office <laughs> the first couple of days and introduce her. We're going to bring a little goodie pack uh, to her and introduce her to, you know, what we do, bring her down to our facilities and show her what we're all about and how we fit into the big educational picture. You know, you should talk to a good friend of Ken's and mine, uh, Don Crandall, who is uh, one of the chief lobbyists for the Michigan Association of Home Builders, because Don has really focused on this and oh, yeah. helped develop curriculum segments for secondary ed teachers and primary ed teachers. Yeah. If you send us an email, we'd, we'd be happy to get your contact information, and maybe you can get the same thing going in uh, in Ohio. That'd be Absolutely. Cool. Will do. Yeah, thank you for that suggestion. Hey, you know what though? Well, my, what my, you do for a living? What you do for a living is you make a difference in people's lives yeah. and kids' lives. God and, bless you. God bless you for doing that. And we can well, I love it. And the, the other thing to too is care. I tell the kids that if they don't want to become a teacher like me and to take over for me because I'm not that far from retirement, I tell them anything in this field it's never boring. You guys probably know that too. But I tell them sure. even as a teacher, I've never been bored a day in my life. And I tell them that's important. You know, that's another thing to think about for their future is that you know what kind of job they're going to be in, what kind of career they're going to be in. Is it going to be something that's going to you know, you don't have to worry about getting up in the morning and saying, yeah, I don't really feel like going to work. I've never felt that way in all, all my years of teaching. Nope. We didn't either. <laughs> we talk about that. We are so blessed. I agree with you. And the thing about our careers is if you're not a people person, there's still a place for you. Yeah. You know, if you don't have good communication yeah, skills, there's still a place for you. You go out and be that uh, Norm Abrams on the job site and people leave you alone while you're building that custom right. built-in <laughs> shelf or something. Right, 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 right. <laughs> So, Scott, tell us about well, your sink, buddy. What's I, going on there? Yeah, I have a question. In my bathroom upstairs, there's a roughly two-inch diameter ring, metal ring at the bottom of the bowl in the sink. It's what the uh, stopper would be seated on. And all of a sudden, it cracked. It split. Now, I have no idea what to do or how to take care of it. I don't have to replace the whole sink. But I'm wondering, is I don't know if that's attached to something else. I've never seen it before. Well, you may know that that is a piece that is threaded from the bottom, and the tailpiece is normally a, a part of that. There's probably plumber's putty that seals the gap between it and the bottom of the sink there at the drain. Oh. So if you go underneath where your tailpiece, your tailpiece, your tailpipe <laughs> vertically <laughs> drops into the trap, um, if you unscrew uh, the tailpiece from the trap, and then unscrew that tailpiece from the bottom of the sink. You can kind of tap it up and remove that piece you're talking about, and it's a standard piece replacement 99.9% uh, .9 of the time. Take it with you to your local big box store, and you can find it. Okay. Exactly. Okay. If I you carried the old piece okay. in with you to a Home Depot or an Ace Hardware or whatever, they would have the exact same piece, brand new in a bag. Make sure, again, you get some plumber's buddy. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a pretty simple replacement for a guy like you, I'm sure. Okay. Thank you so much. Well, listen, guys, thanks for the conversation, and keep up the great work. Love the show. Thanks for what Thank you, you do. So Stay in touch with us. I, I will do. Bye-bye. We Bye -bye. appreciate your call, sir. Bye-bye. God bless him and what he does, huh? Yes, sir. Gives, gives you chills. I mean, you it want does. to keep him on the line and just keep talking about that issue. You and I are so passionate about uh, yeah. this career uh, opportunity. Yeah. I, and it sounds like people are starting to get with the help of people like Mike Rowe, you know, I mean, a big superstar out there really pushing this subject. And like he said, for so Who's many Mike years, Rowe? what's that? Who's my dirty Rowe? jobs? Anyway, for so many years, parents said, hey, you know what? These jobs aren't good enough. You know, these jobs aren't good enough. You're, you got to go to college. You're my son. You're my daughter. And I've said my whole life, Chuck, and it might sound terrible, but when I was when I was in the middle of my career, I made as much as most oh. people with degrees, if, if, if not more. Than most college With professors no debt behind you. Exactly. It's funny because Scott's telling the story of how he got turned down at that carpentry school and he came home and said, Mom and Dad, I got to go to college. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like this disappointment, which is the exact opposite of what most you know people would talk about. It was a hoot.
Yeah, probably one of the best things that ever happened to him. Exactly. 888-654-GUYS equals 888-654-4897. If you have any problems in your house, any questions you want to ask, give us a call. So does it make sense? Yesterday, you know, we're talking about the whole dirty electricity thing. Um, Dirty electricity? I know. I know. Uh, It's funny. When when we were in college, you know, we used to s- set up these machines where you would literally read the sine wave of alternating current and direct current. And I can't claim I fully understood it back then, but it, I still recall it, and it gave me context for that kind of stuff. Um, bottom line, generators for a long time had the reputation of uh, developing what we call dirty electricity. They had a lot of harmonic distortion in the in the sine wave of the electricity, and that can affect some delicate machinery, sure. like a computer, sure. for instance. Anyway, we had a call yesterday about a guy looking at generators, and he had looked at one that had less than five, uh, a, a number lower than five for total harmonic distortion. He was an engineer. He's smarter than you and I will ever be. And our thing was, you know what, voltage drops is probably a bigger concern for you with delicate equipment than any distortion in the flow of electricity. That makes sense. It's like people that need a 12-wire extension cord, but they use a 16-wire, cheaper extension cord. Sure. And what will happen is that cord will get really hot. It won't supply the voltage to the equipment that it's supposed to run. Maybe the lights, if you're plugging Christmas lights, die early because of that. Right. Worse than that, if it's sump pump, a refrigerator, a compressor, capacitor, start motor that's got got to have all that voltage to start up, and it's not there. Right. It's like sucking a heavy ice cream through a straw, and you can't get it through. Yep, and if you're a homeowner, you definitely want to know about this kind of stuff because it's something you need to be concerned about. And, uh, you know, we talk about quality plumbers. We have such a quality plumber. That he won't even do, he won't only do your residential stuff, but he'll do any commercial work that's out there. He has a phenomenal crew, family-run business. Of course, we're talking Shelby Mechanical. Remember to pour another coffee and hang around from 12 to 1 with Steve Dickinson, Amnesty Air Duct Cleaning and Insulation. You know, everybody's still enjoying family vacations, pool days, cookouts. It's great, but don't forget you got a bigger to-do list. Maybe when the fall sets in. Summer drought can cause as much damage to your foundation as spring rain. It really can, yeah. And you can get a free inspection from Foundation Systems of Michigan's trained and certified field inspectors. They'll stop by, check out what your issues are, prescribe a solution. You don't, no commitment is necessary, but it's just a great service. Great great people. Yep, absolutely. Michigan's largest basement, basement and foundation contractor anywhere in the state of Michigan, as a matter of fact. So, Chuck, a lot of people, um, we get a lot of emails asking about generators, standby generators. Isn't yeah, and it, we should tie that to the surge protection finish that it, Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. While an electrician's out to do that, that's a, I mean, because people only need to call an electrician out a few times when they're in their house in their lifetime, probably. But if you're going to have them out to do something like that, ask them to take a look at your entire electrical system Good while idea. they're there. Good idea. Especially, you know, if you just got new appliances. Yeah. There, there's so many computers and everything today, and they are far more susceptible to voltage line surges than this equipment ever was before. And it's a really big potential deal to have good surge protection now. If you get a lightning strike 10 feet from your house, Whole house surge protection likely isn't going to do you any good, <laughs> right? <laughs> right, right. I mean, right. a tremendous amount of voltage in a in a near direct strike is is almost beyond protecting a building from. But for the average issue, and especially like you said, if you got a generator where you lose power, and then five seconds later your generator kicks on, and then boom, you got power again, and then it's going to shut off when the power comes back on again, and those potentials for surges of voltage in your line damaging your equipment are very real. Absolutely. Good advice. Absolutely. Yeah, so definitely, and, and it's it's really not hard for them to take a look at your electrical system because no. you're going to take a look at your box. You're going to take a look at some of your outlets, some of your switches. 
you were mentioned earlier, Chuck, some people have a light switch that may, you know, uh, turn on and off or flicker a little bit when they oh, turn on. While they're there doing something like that, that is not an expensive fix whatsoever. You know, it's funny because I've got a, a three-way switch to the lights in the garage. And I noticed that when I turn it on at a specific location and then go out in the garage, they may just shut off. Oh, really? The switch is starting to go bad. Okay. And I've got to have that taken care of. And that's about a 20, what, 24-year-old house now? 24-year-old switch. Mm -hmm. It's used a lot. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to have to have it replaced. And every house has those kinds of things, right? Right. Right. They do. All that that sparks when you plug something in or pull something out of the receptacle. Especially the older ones. (laughs) So the older ones don't have the ground. I mean, there's a a lot of receptacles out here that still are not have the ground or have any kind of ground in them whatsoever, which is, is dangerous. That's almost scary. Yeah. Uh, you know, bathroom and kitchen receptacles that don't have any GFCI protection. And it's that old story about, well, yeah, well, we survived, you know, for generations without it. We don't need it now. <laughs> yeah, you survived, but out of every thousand people, you know, who didn't? You know, one person got electrocuted for every thousand people. That's not good at all. <laughs> no, it's not. And it makes good sense. It's like we started the show. If you're going to have Lake Point Electric, Bratcher Electric, a NECA electrician out, have them take care of multiple things. Have them do what you said a minute ago. Examine the system. Right, right, right. And you may ask them if they're going to come out. A lot of these places almost tell you what the price is to install a new a new standby generator. Oh, yeah. How much will it take for you guys to inspect my system while you're here? I'm guessing most will say nothing to inspect it. That may be the case if they're already out there installing a generator. Right. Yeah. Right. Nothing to inspect it. If you need some some work done at that point, then we'll then we'll look into it. But yeah, definitely worth doing. I like that. Um, I'm at the point where, gosh, I hate to say this, we're at the beginning of August, but I'm already thinking I had to fall projects. One of which is getting my carpets cleaned mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and scrubbing. You know, doing the spot treatment and all that kind of thing. You had a chance uh, this past week, I think, to, to talk to the folks at Jets. Yes. You and I had a chance, I don't know, a month ago, two months ago? How yes. long ago? Yeah. A couple months ago. Yeah, it was a couple months ago. We were, we walked away kind of surprised that a company at the stage of our lives you and I are at had redefined what constitutes clean. Absolutely. That's a good way to put it. That's a very good way to put it. It was amazing. You and I had done whole... When I was with them last week, you know, I don't. Want, I keep saying Chet Senior and Chet Junior, but it's Chet the Second and Chet the Third. Okay, um, great and, people. And, oh yeah, yeah. And when I sit down and the wife's all like this, it's great people. But talking about what's the most important thing when you start to clean your carpet, I know you know what it is. It's vacuuming. Vacuuming is so important, and you vacuum, you vacuum, you vacuum before you clean and that you vacuum carpet. Well, vacuum with good quality machines. People just do that quick, you know, back, forth, back, forth, back, back, right. forth. Right, right, right. You're not vacuuming. No, you're not. <laughs> hey, stick around for another hour of the Inside Outside, guys. It is a very educational hour with a very good friend of ours, Steve Dickinson from Amnesty Air Duct Cleaning. Make sure that you are saving as much money as possible on your home energy. Make sure that you are breathing clean, healthy air, you and your family, in a way you can make sure that happens by sticking around us to the next hour of the Inside Outside, guys. This next segment is sponsored by our friends at Chet's Cleaning.